Hello, welcome to the Style Life Innovators series. I'm Liz Lundry, and today I'll be interviewing Dr. Esteban Tinoco and hygienist and myofunctional therapist Ashley Beals. They are real innovators. They are both co-owners of Rooted Dental Wellness in Grover Beach, California, providing functional, structural, aesthetic, biological, and holistic dentistry with a team of care providers, including a pediatric dentist, an airway doctor, and more. So welcome to our innovator series today, Dr. Tinoco and Ashley. Thank you so much for your time. I'm very interested in learning more about your business and you know what makes your practice unique and different. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. I think the biggest thing really for making it unique is just that we treat the root cause or we're trying to evaluate the why in the disease process. An easy example of this is like when the dentist comes in for an exam, takes a look at the teeth, says you have a cavity and I'll see you next Tuesday to get it filled. When I come into the room, the experience is much different because Ashley's already kind of giving me a heads up of what's going on. A lot of the times it'll be something with like acid erosion. That's something that we see pretty common from either sleep or diet and things like that. So when I take a look at the tooth and it's shiny and it's glassy and it's worn and yeah, there is a cavity on there. I want to address the cavity. Sure. But I know that filling isn't going to last very long because it's just getting washed away by acid. And how is this acidity affecting other parts of our body as well? So then there's a conversation and an action plan to address that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Like treating, as we know, the teeth are just symptoms of what else is going on. We're also treating right. the root cause, and in this case, like acid. And sometimes we're also like peeling back more layers of the onion too. Whereas, like, okay, is acid reflux also just a symptom? Is there a posterior tongue tie? Is there um, something going on with diet? And how should we cross refer them in our office to get attention for that root cause so they're not coming in and playing whack a mole, getting their fillings um, redone? Um, say another thing that makes us different is just having a different ownership model. I would like to think that our practice is a little bit more heavily focused from its creation um, on prevention. So having a hygienist have, an, have a say in how our business model is created and how to treat patients. I think that that focus on prevention from the beginning and through the creation of the business actually helps prevention instead of just having a team player who's supposed to just help with some products and clean teeth and call it a day, actually having that person in the creation of philosophies, protocols, things like that in the business model. Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You each have things to contribute, you know, based mm -hmm. on your different mm -hmm. experiences and putting that together. And clearly the two of you are aligned with each other philosophically. And mm -hmm. we have life as well as me personally, I've been a long time educator and speaker and uh, I, I do teach uh, in office and in uh, oh. seminars and uh, the oral and systemic link is something that we are very aware of and I really think that it's so important that more and more dentists are acknowledging that and doing as you're doing looking for the cause not just putting a band-aid on something yeah. and, because it's the gateway to their whole body we see so much when we look in their mouths and we can really help them you know, heal themselves, not just their mouth. So, so glad you're doing that. So, you know, how and why did you decide to own a practice together? So for me, uh, before getting into business with, uh, together, when I was just practicing hygiene, I did a lot of subbing. So I've been at about 
22 different dentists at this point. And one thing I saw pretty much everywhere I was, was just a lot of compartmentalization of departments in the office um, and kind of perpetuating that whack-a-mole game where the dentist comes in, they see a cavity. I'm like, whoa, 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 I haven't done perioturning yet. I haven't done any saliva testing. Like, don't you want me to be able to like give you a bigger picture and not seeing that happening? And I think the other one for me was the lack of co-diagnosing going on um, and how that was so underutilized in a dental setting where I'm spending an hour with this patient and maybe they've only met the dentist a couple of times in the last few years and not having that relationship with the dentist to be like, hey, what do you want me to look for? How should I like translate that for the patient? How can I educate the patient and how can I make your exam process easier? And there wasn't a lot of that Um going on. So I remember just like texting Dr. T like, Hey, I can't wait till you move to this area. We need to, <laughs> we need to disrupt this game. Like, this is just crazy. Yeah, that's very, your, perspective, your perspective in school. I remember we would talk about that a lot when you were in dental school too. Yeah. There's a few things. I mean, in school, it was interesting as a dentist because you don't practice with auxiliary staff. I mean, you don't even practice with an assistant, let alone a hygienist. Yeah. So those relationships aren't even educated on or trained about you kind of get that once you start practicing I think for me there was a lot of lack of fulfillment in the jobs I was doing like I was joyous giving people like a positive experience with not much anxiety and do good dental work but I just felt like I was just kind of filling holes in people's teeth and that was about it and there wasn't a job that out there that was really inspiring me and I felt like no one's really doing this why not us just create it, right? Because I couldn't find a job where there was like a lactation consultant and I could work with the ENT simultaneously to kind of figure out what was going on. So that was a big motivating factor. And then I want to focus on patient care. I want my number one thing in my head during work is to yeah. be about my patients, not about utilities calling about the practice or floors that are going into the practice, but like actually get to be a doctor and what I went to school for so us working together really gives me that ability mm -hmm. and um, I think just speaking to colleagues and how burnt out they are especially kind of in the post-COVID age and how unfulfilled they feel um like I'm sharing all, the work tasks, yeah yeah you know? for yeah. me it's like the work-life balance is great and I actually feel like I help people at the end of the day that's it because you're really changing people's lives you're making a huge impact on their lives because of this, you know, the magnitude and the total care that you're providing. And I know there must be challenges there. You know, how do you prioritize patient care in this dual model of ownership? Yeah, I think first and foremost, and I tell this pretty often to people, and a, and a mentor really instilled this at me at Dagoni UOP is that we always treat people, not teeth. So if you're in the background of our practice, there's never a comment like Ash would never come up to me and be like number 31. So, 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 right. It's about the patient medical history information, what their previous experiences have been like, what they're seeing as an idea for a root cause kind of situation. So when you stop talking about the tooth as the most important thing, or like the first thing, and you talk about the other things that could be root cause, the person just becomes a priority because you're prioritizing the overall health as opposed to like a composite filling on 31, which is still important for their health, but it's a side effect of other things going on. Yeah. I think too, from where we treat together is when we're treating the patient, 
um, as a whole and not just treating the tooth, a lot of times the importance of interdisciplinary care comes in, comes in handy. So if we have a patient who, you know, has three cavities back to back to back on the lower right and through their assessment, I can come to doctor when it's time for him to come and be like, Hey, listen, they sleep on their right side. They sleep with their mouth open. The parent is complaining. This child is, um, clenching and grinding the teeth and they're snoring. We can start to look into sleep disordered breathing and then see a root cause maybe as a tongue tie and then also make the appropriate referrals to our oral myofunctional therapy department, maybe our speech pathologist, because then that kind of opens up a conversation where the parent might be like, oh yeah, they're really struggling in school with their R's and their S's. Mm -hmm. So really treating the whole person, the interdisciplinary care is like half of what we do because we can only do so much, you know? Um, You know, doctor can do those three occlusal fillings and if we call it a day, what are we really helping? So building those relationships with the other care providers has been a big part of that. We have a network called the Rooted Network where we have about 18 different clinicians now on the Central Coast who um, are now becoming trained in biological dentistry and tongue ties and things like that. And we meet about once every three or four months and learn from their lens, like, hey, what does this look like? We've had, you know, pelvic floor therapists in here, physical therapists, chiropractors, just kind of getting their lens of how they help treat these things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, if they're not breathing, because they can't breathe. Right. 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 As well. And we in dentistry, that's where we, we find these issues because Mm -hmm. physicians aren't looking at that. So it's up to us. We're on the forefront of that. So with all that you're doing, which is, I think is fabulous. You know, what were the obstacles in setting up the style of a joint ownership in business? Yeah, it was, it was a little difficult in the beginning. Um, I think, you know, like they say, anything worth doing is difficult. And I think if you're the first ones doing it, there's even more obstacles. We had a lot of obstacles, quite frankly, getting me on the loan was a big problem um, for some tanks and having, um, we kind of knew that before getting into it because we had tried in some other ways. So we just decided when this practice came available, like, hey, we don't have time to deal with that. Um, we had uh, Dr. T apply for the loan, get on the loan, and then add me after the fact. That was really helpful because they didn't have the questions of like, well, you know, in California, if something were to happen to the dentist, what are you going to do if, you know, you can't practice without him? So there was kind of this um just challenges like from a, a loan standpoint yeah. of buying a practice. I think it creates a little bit of lack of innovation as well because they only have like one framework in order to set up a dental clinic. Yeah. Like it has to be the dentist and they have to be the majority owner. They have to be this, 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 but it doesn't allow for other perspectives in terms of different fields and how you can treat patients differently. So that was um, kind of a going against the grain because mm-hmm. what, what we wanted to do. Um, other challenges, I feel like just because it is so different and we're kind of changing the conversation of what dentistry should be and what it should treat and what it should screen that some patients aren't, don't want that kind of service. Some patients just want a traditional come in, don't talk about it, get the filling, buy kind of thing. And we're not offering people just the pill or just the surgery. A lot of it requires work. Oral myofunctional therapy is work. It usually takes six months to complete. It's not a, you know, on and off switch kind of situation. So over time, we have found that there are a lot of patients that actually want to 
work on themselves and work on their health and are really grateful that we offer these services here. But initially it was like, oh yeah, there's some people that just don't want that. Yeah. yeah. Especially when taking over the practice from another clinician with a different philosophy, a lot more surgical focus, those patients were like, why don't we just wait till the tooth falls out? And I was like, oh, we have other ideas, but yeah. if they don't want what you're offering, we had to learn really quickly to just be like, that's okay. Let's refer them where they'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And let's spend our time and attention on people who want what we're offering. Um, yeah, that's so important because there's that saying that you can't be everybody's. Yeah. Counselor. And yeah. The, if the people don't want our services, then they right. should be a place where they'll be happy. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think like after it was initially started, the kind of things we run into are not a ton because once we have the patients who want what we offer, like we really find joy in our business model and the flow and having different practitioners to flow things off of. We joke all the time. I don't know how smart of a business model it is long-term, right? Because if we're getting yeah. people healthier, we joke one day like, well, no, we did our job right. If it's just a bunch of hygienists doing, you know, recares and periodontal maintenances yeah. and doctors just sitting around like, I need another career, you know? Yeah. So we joke um, that, we joke about that, but seriously, like if we do our job right, we will reach a point of like needing a, a, an early retirement or something. That's why we're always seeing new patients yeah. because our, our periodic exams and things like that and follow-ups, like patients are just healthier. healthier. Yeah. yeah. If they're treating the root cause, they're going to be. So yeah. we say that too. We're like, you know, patient or practices who are really doing things holistically or biologically or functionally really should be seeing new patients forever. Cause eventually like you're getting them healthy and then you're going to need yeah. like new patients. Right. Yeah. So we've kind of created a model where we're, we're always accepting new patients. Sometimes that gets harder some months than others, but yeah, so far it's worked well. Well, too, with what you're offering, because it's so special and you are literally really saving people's lives with the, uh, the airway and all the other things you're doing, yeah. those yeah. patients are going to refer their like-minded friends and family. So yeah. you, that's another great source because those are going to be other patients that want what you have to provide you know but uh, despite all the challenges I'm really very happy and want to really acknowledge you for what you're doing uh, you know as partners but also providing this level of care you know for your community uh, I really we really believe that this is where dentistry needs to go and it's a village. It really takes more than care, <laughs> and you appreciate that. So thank you so much for being trailblazers in this and for speaking to our community at Style Life today. So really appreciate your time and looking forward to seeing you next time I'm down in that part of California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it out there. And uh, for all of you joining us today, thank you for spending a few minutes with Stella Life. And uh, please come back next time. We have our next innovator so we can learn more. And uh, until then, please stay well. And most of all, stay happy. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for you. having us. So, and all stay well. Thank you.